Hey, uh, well, first of all, I like to say, and I ASP gonna find me, because I want to be a part of this fucking dumb wannabe tennis tour. You know, I think they got their his testicles so far out their mouths that this is bullshit. You know. I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm just thinking about having won the world title and and hopefully trying to win another one someday. You just drop in, just smack the pull back, drop down, say bah. Well, I'll tell you, Stu, I did battle some humongous waves. Oh, that's the table thing? Oh, surf looks good on it. Not bad. Ain't that swell with Jed and Vaughn. Oh, those guys are back! Get a haircut. Yes, shredheads, waxheads, kooks and barnies, welcome to Ain't That Swell, the radio show dedicated to cutting fucking seek. I'm your host, the two-time Gold Cone Peace Award-winning surf journalist, Scumbelly's finest himself, the punch-drunk pikey, the sultan of psilocybin, the maestro of micro-dosing. And I'm joined here for this very special world title climax crescendo catastrophe, if you're Tatiana Western Webb and Australian surfing, uh, by my loyal co-host and friend, frontman of the Goons of Doom, former editor of Surfing World magazine, Tracks magazine, Waves magazine, Vaughn Rinstcorn. Deadly Vaughn, it wasn't the result we were hoping for, but it was a fitting climax to an otherwise kind of a year in the end, wasn't it? <laughs> Mate, I'm on board. I am way on board with that finals day. I just thought it was... It was fitting. It was a fitting climax, Smith. I was... I just... You know what my takeaway is, man? Like, the best surfers in the world at the end of the year should be surfing against each other from the first heat. Not if they happen to get past a bunch of also-rans and Johnny-come-latelys and fucking... Who's his name and what's his face and all those fucking <laughs> wildcard nobodies who get in the road and cause all these upsets? No, no more. I think uh, I think a final series is the only way, mate. Because I, I still think that the format needs work. I'm not a big fan of um, number five having to to do the five heats. I know it's an apt reward for the guys who finish number one, and it's a little not you know doff of the cap to the old ways. But the old ways are the old ways, mate. Mm. We've moved on now. And, and we've had a sniff, Smiv, of what the future tastes like, mate. And you know what it tastes like, Smivy? You know what it tastes like, mate? Dub, ma, dub, ma, dub, ma, dub, ma. Pretty piss weak if you ask me. Dub. Hey. Hope you get the lot, you dog. Hey. Pretty piss weak if you ask me. Hey. Hey, get back on protection, you ma. Hey. Dub, ma, dub, ma, dub, ma, dub, ma. Pretty piss weak if you ask me. Dog. Oh, sorry. Hey. I was so absorbed, man. I got up at 12.30 in the morning. And I was just awake till it was over. Wow. I loved it. I just alpha males and alpha females going at it is the only way to decide a world title. Mm. Not, I just really think back to the old ways, mate. And I just reckon that format of, of rewarding consistency in all types of surf, it it just doesn't get to the heart of competition where you've got, you know, so often people winning in Brazil without having their greatest rival even surf a heat against them. Mm. That's wrong. Nah, well said, well said. Uh, we're going to hear from some absolute world title winning fucking hermaniacs uh, in a moment. But before that, just a few takeaways from the bloke side of the draw first up. 
uh, crazy Phil, the fizzing, flipping little Brazo madman, wow. is back and back in a big way. Uh, wow. r- rumors of his demise amid a disastrous synthetic baby formula addiction have been greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated, oh. rinsed corn, uh, mate. He was back I'm so, I'm in so all glad. his glory. What a little maniac! You kidding? He went berserk. What a surfer! What a surfer, Smithy. And I'm so glad I retracted my uh, statement that he wasn't deserving, mate. Because yes. You know, the truth, it will always be hanging over him until he packs it in a fucking big one of chopes or pipe. But that surfing, I, I know that you're a purist uh, and, and, you know, the surfing you love is all about putting it on the line. And, you know, if you're surfing in comps and you've got to be the best, well, you've got to be that committed with every turn and just the style and the flow and all those things that they're looking for. Fuck, he put on a show, didn't he? Oh, mate. His rail game is the best in the world when it's on. It's just so futuristic. Uh, you know, it, it's so spontaneous too. He, he kind of he pulls manoeuvres that you just can't fathom until you see <laughs> them in the flesh in real time. And then, uh, yeah, just the combinations he puts together are just so perplexing to watch. Slater was calling it uh, video game surfing. And, uh, and, and mm. I mean, then just topping it off with little Irish Spider-Man jigs after he nails a combo of full road air. Revs, you kidding Ah, oh, mate. It was just what was a, that little it was jig? a joy to watch. It was a joy to watch. And the, the, he was feeling you, You'd come off the bottom and you had no idea what was coming. That's what I loved. I was going, is he sending an air here? or what? And he'd just do a, like, you know, high-speed extender Rio that just fucking popped and generated so much speed out of the lip. I was just like, man, this is a joy to watch. I mean... To make Italo look silly is a fucking task, mm. and, and he did a real good job of that. I, I, he was incredible, mate, and full props to Phil. And uh, you know, I'm so glad that we uh, we we reined it in a little bit before we got to uh, Trestle's final day because, mate, it was solid. Oh. Fuck, it was big in mm. the morning. Like, the, wouldn't say quite waves of truth, but fucking, you know, to but to surf those waves like Phil was surfing, you have to go to be on on another level. No, you uh, yeah, you're right. The, I mean, the, burgery yeah. kind of. Burgery closeouts that aren't hugging the cobbles at Trestles, hardly waves of truth, Vaughn. But uh, no, it was respectful. Exactly. No, no, you're right. R- respectful, yeah. Uh, yeah, great show. Great show by Phil. Uh, but yeah, I'll gave, mate, on another level. Oh. Crikey. Yeah, I Crikey. mean, wasn't it? Fuck me sideways. Uh, I mean, that. Uh, just, I guess, the flip. You got to talk about the flip. I mean, what do you call that? It's, it's, it's a front side. I don't know. The rotations are. It's, it's a funky one. It's somewhere between a roll and a, a back flip. But fuck, man, to be stomping that at the pointy end of a world title climax showdown. I mean, he's only done one other one in a contest jersey that I'm aware of in a, in an early round heat in Brazil. But to be pulling stuff like that out at that stage of the game mm. just shows his class. Uh, you know, that's that's a turn pretty much fucking no one else in the world can do. I mean, maybe a couple of people have done it, but definitely not in a contest jersey. Uh, that was fucked up. No, mate. Up. It was loose. It was fucked up. Yeah, and I, I just thought the top three of the men's uh, really show just how far better they are than anyone else. You know, like, like they surfed without a single thing left in the tank. And I, I really thought... Full credit to Morgs and um, Connor. They weren't far behind, man, in terms of, you know, effort and stuff. But that was just phenomenal, game-changing, like, cosmic surfing, the competitive surfing at least. And John John was really the only missing piece of that puzzle. And I think the women didn't bring it. They looked tentative and nervous and uh, really off their games. Like, Carissa wasn't surfing with any of that, you know, moxie that she has surfed with all year. 
Steph looked out of sorts. There were moments. There were definitely the odd turn. I thought Joanne DeFay surfed really aggressively, and um, I thought Sally, to beat Joanne, did the same thing. And Taddy had her typical kind of, you know, big blast here and there. But, geez, they looked off. Uh, and maybe that was because, as we've said before, Smithy, in um, numerous uh, podcasts, the, the, the alpha women rarely get challenged all the way to the end of the season by their closest rivals, you know what I mean? Like, they don't have to meet up all that often against, you know, Carissa and Steph don't fight off in world title battles, and Tyler and, and Carissa don't fight off in world title battles. It's usually like, uh, you know, when one of those women's on, the other the other alpha women aren't on. Mm. So it was interesting to see that dynamic come into the women's finals day, and I, I just thought they all felt it. Mm. Uh, so really big, uh, big learning curve there for those for those top five, and I think they'll bring it way harder next year. Mm. I want to give a quick doff of the cap to Tatiana, though. Her backside surfing was pretty fucked up. It reminded me of a uh, nimble, long-haired, early-career arc at times on a kind of... St- <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, I yeah, mean, minus yeah, a few yeah. kilos from the jawline, uh, no doubt. But, uh, you know, uh, it was... Uh, I mean, I, I just thought riding a... It looked like a, a step up or a kind of a... Just a bigger shorty maybe than she'd usually ride and just, just allowed her to just get a lot of torque and stability off the bottom and just fucking crack it uh, multiple times. I mean, she was cracking mm. it like a red-headed stepchild Vaughn at times. It was wild. And... Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, and uh, I guess just to, you know, just to tie it all in a nice loop... Uh, Big doff of the cap as well to the broadcast team, the Wazzle broadcast team. I thought they did a great job. Uh, in, 100%. In particular, um, I mean, just the, the commentary team, a bit of a far out. I mean, Mick Fenning, who we're, who we're about to hear from, uh, was a part of that commentary team alongside none other than DeGoat, Kelly Slater, which is a, an odd pairing at the best of times. But, uh, you know, it worked, and it worked for a few reasons. I mean... Um, I guess first of all, just the they were you know two of the biggest wigs amongst a cavalcade of commentators that they wheeled out. Vaughn, uh, I was mm. I was impressed. It Tyler was like Wright a, on there as well. Tyler Wright, yep. that's right, another world title winner. Um, and you know, it was, it was I almost felt like I was watching a Live Aid concert at times. I thought uh, I, I was half <laughs> expecting Sting or Bob Geldof to take the stage at some point. <laughs> I mean, they had everyone: Goat, Eugene, uh, Hugh Masekela's son. Uh, What's that bloke's name again? Uh, uh, Rosie Hodge. Did, did they have to wheel her out <laughs> yeah. of a maternity ward for that one, Vaughn? I thought she just had a baby. Uh, I mean, Cote, Jabbering Joe, Strides, Mel, the list goes on. Uh, yeah, it, it really it, it peaked at the right moment too, having those heavyweight uh, you know, observations in there and and hearing what they didn't say. Jeez, there was some scathing obs- you know, scathing stuff. Uh, on all the top five from the goat and Fanning, and I mean, if anyone has the right to sort of you know be critical, those guys do. But it, when you really listen to it, Smith, geez, there were some uh, incredible insights and some pretty good backside uh, backhanded compliments in there too. Absolutely. Speaking of insights, uh, let's get a couple off. Mick, Mictory, Eugene, White, Liquid Lightning, Penrith's finest, Fanning. Mate, I am so rooted. I've been up since twelve thirty. Watching pro surfing, having the time of my life, but far out. How was it? Was it? How did the finals day live up to things? Did you? I mean, you've been a part of world title races. You've seen it all go down. How did it stand up for you? Look, I loved it. I just loved the uh, the pressure of it all. Um, I loved how you had to 
be on at all times. And I love the way that um, the best surfed against the best. Um, there was nowhere to hide. And and uh, I felt like the performances that were put on were amazing. And I think that best of three final was, was epic, um, especially the women going down to the last of freaking wave um, was so awesome. Mate, what did you make of the actual surfing? Because in my view of it, it looked like the women were a little bit nervous and edgy, but those top three blokes just went absolutely hammer and tongs, like on another level, like not even any kinks or any doubt in their ability at all, you know. They just sent it so hard. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I think – some of the some of the girl the, the girls probably didn't read the lineup um, as well as as the guys. Uh, it was pretty tricky, especially in that in that very first heat with um, Steph and Joanne. Um, but I I felt like all the guys stood out. Um, you know, I felt Connor he he went and you know threw everything at those rails. Uh, he almost had Phil on. Uh, on the nice edge, and then um, and then Phil, Italo, and Gabe just went to a whole different level when they all came up against each other. I felt like, uh, yeah, it was it was. If anyone won, um, you could have walked away being happy because they just absolutely did. I think, from a spectator point of view, from where I was, it was unbelievable. It was so good to watch. I loved it. In fact, I'd only have one recommendation, and that's expand it to a top eight and do it more like the uh, semi-finals in the rugby league where the top four surf off and there's a second chance just to get more of those guys in the water. Yeah, I know there's something about that. I don't actually like the, um, you know, I think you have to win in the old traditional way, but look, I, I, I there's so many times where, you know, you didn't even get to surf against the guy who was number two or, or number one to, to really have a crack at them. And uh, I'm sure if, if the guys before us, you know, I've, I've spoken to Kelly about before or Parker, um, if if we had that opportunity just to surf against each other a few times, it would have been all time. I would have loved it. Yeah, that's right, mate, because I think there was a... There was that Kelly and Andy year in particular where they just fully went at each other, met in a few finals, met in a few semis, and it was just so entertaining. And I just think that that's got to be the future. That's why I reckon the system works because uh, regardless of who surfs best throughout the year, it makes more sense to me that you've got to be on against your number one opponent, not just sort of consistent throughout the year and perhaps only surf against them once or twice. Yeah, for sure, you know, and... And so many times it came down to pipeline, and pipeline was average. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking. I love it. I reckon it's fantastic. Hey, um, couple of questions, mate, before I uh, let you go. Thanks so much for your time on the day of days. But um, what about uh, just our our crew? You know, the Aussies. How did they? Uh, how did they fare up? Have you spoken to or seen Morgs, Sal, or Steph? I don't know. Um, I like. Um, they sort of, uh, I had a, a real opportunity to win that game. It was just a very huge mistake. A, a tiny little wave gave uh, Tanny the opportunity. Um, you know, it's, come on, why do you do that? You're so good in these situations. Um, I felt Morgs, Morgs, you know, the opportunities that he had, he, he, he served well. He just 
couldn't consolidate maybe the moment got to him a little bit and um but look he he threw a couple of big turns I th- um but he sort of fell into that play of uh I guess um oh maybe not waking up and and I think that's what happened to Steph too I think Steph was expecting, you know, perfect lowers, and it was really tricky this morning. And mm. I think she over, over-surfed it. Um, you know, I, I felt like if, if she surfed, uh, made adjustments as she was going through the heat, she, she could have easily won that. Um, but, yeah, it, it just seemed like she she got caught up in the moment and um, was playing catch-up and couldn't, couldn't bring herself back. Yeah. And, and what about uh, the two Aussie boys in the world title camps, mate? Like uh, Andy King, dear friend of yours, Mitch Ross, another guy who, uh, you know, obviously has been a, a huge role in Carissa's success this year and in previous years. Like how frothing for those guys were you? Like can you sort of get on board their victories as well as the, your friends, you know, Carissa and Gabe? Um, not, not so much um, Mitch Ross. I don't sort of have a whole lot to do with him, but uh, Kingy for sure, you know, um, throughout this whole campaign, uh, always was speaking to Kingy about different things with Gabe and um, and even did a couple of mock heats with, with the boys uh, early uh, late last week just to try and get Gabe into a, a good mindset. Um, and it was awesome. The, the way the dynamic works, um, they're, you know, they're both super loyal to each other. Um, they're super loyal in the fact that they, they're all about family. And, um, yeah, I think they've taught each other so much this year. And it was, it was just a really beautiful story, I felt, that they've, um, you know, I spoke to them just before, actually, they were together eating food, and it was so cool to see them just cheering and uh, hugging and, and celebrating. It was, um, yeah, just super proud of both how much they've grown this year. And, uh yeah, I think it's, it's it's a great story for Kingy too. You know, he thought he was out of that world of coaching and then uh, next thing you know, he's uh, helping the world champ grab the third. Yeah, no no small thanks to you, mate. That was a, that was your tee-up, famously. <laughs> Where's me finders? <laughs> big time, big time, mate. Well, look, um, last word on Gabby, mate. I mean, uh, he's in the three club now and, and that's an elite club. I mean, it's yourself, Andy, MR, Slater. Uh, you know, has he got another one in him? Oh, clearly he does. But what do you look forward to in the next few years for Gabe? Like, this was a, a real childhood dream of his to get three. Where does he go and, and how does he get there from here? Oh, mate, I, I think, you know, he's been so close over the, since 2014, since he won his first ever world title. He's been at least one or two heats away from winning a world title in every other year. Um, you know, he's got plenty more in him. I think, I think what he's shown um, and how much he's grown this year and uh, learned about himself, which, man, I, I'm... I'm scared for people next year. Yeah, or them to say that he's actually going to win. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I'm so excited to see what else he brings. And he's just so strong and, and mature now in his surfing and just letting his surfing do the talking. I think that was a big turning point for him this year. Yeah, mate. I mean, uh, you, you, you've been on that journey that he's been on. You've been the competitive robot who sacrificed, you know, a, a lot of... Uh, 
you know, good times in that hunt for your first title and then and then figured out how to relax into your into your last title. So I mean he's already gone on that journey and he's still got so many years to go. So it's gonna be so fascinating to see, you know, what drives him because you'd imagine that John John is gonna be play a role in that in that next chapter of Gabe. Oh, for sure. I think I think when you know, if we add someone like John John into into a final fight like that, who knows what could have happened? It could have been the um, the wildest teach you've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for the day where John John's fit for a full year um, and they all catch fire together. I think they're going to push surfing to a whole new level and and competitive surfing too. But the ability that they've got to um, that they've got to perform under pressure is so awesome and um, yeah it's, it's going to be so exciting for, for the years to come <laughs> Sanders going berserk back there mate <laughs> he is he is he's all fired up he thinks he won the world title today Oh, look, man, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the blower with us. And, um, yeah, just uh, great. It was awesome to have you and Kelly in the box, as I said. And, uh, yeah, mate, I just uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see who's in that top five next year. I thought that it just all worked out really well. And um, thanks again. No worries, no worries. Yeah, I, as I said, I, was, uh, I think at the end of the day, surfing was the biggest winner. <laughs> so I'm, I'm super psyched on it. Good on you, Mick. Love you, brother. Love you, Vaughn. Yeah, so there's uh, a few quotes from uh, Fanning. We were on the phone for about half an hour, Smithy, and uh, he, he had, you know, plenty to stay. Unfortunately, the line was real dodgy. It sort of came in and out. So I've just cherry-picked the bits that we could actually get listen, <laughs> listen to there. But a uh, little sidebar here for you, mate. Uh, Xander Fanning took his first steps uh, that afternoon after Gabe had won the world title. So Wow. One small step for Gabrielle Medina, one large step for the Rip Curl family, Vaughn. <laughs> yep, he's already signed up. Steffi Graf and uh, Andre Agassi's kid, I think, got signed up by Nike before it was even born. So you'd imagine that Xander's got rippy stickers on. Has to. Oh, mate, the bidding war. Jeez, they were uh, they were throwing billions at him. The whole Bob Hurley bank account was emptied onto that. But uh, no bueno. <laughs> Yes, uh, great insights from Fanning there. And uh, now we're about to hear from the 1993 Women's World Champ uh, and, you know, the greatest surfer my hometown, the Eastern Suburbs, has ever produced. Better than Horan, better than Cram, better than Brennan, better than the Abaddons or Hitchings or Whittaker. Uh, She's Scum Valley's absolute finest, the creme de la creme of inner city core, Pauline Mensah. But uh, before we get to Pauline... Vaughan, a couple of uh, takeaways from the, the women's side of the draw. I mean, something I haven't seen spoken about anywhere. Wake Gate, Vaughan. Um, I think mm. it needs to be talked about. Uh, you know, I ran a quick Google search, and there is literally no mention of it in reference to the world title. And what I'm talking about uh, is the jet ski wake that reverberated around the world. Now, uh, mm. I'm sure all those watching the, the final three uh, heat surf-off between Taddy and Chris would have seen this, uh, but I'll paint the scene anyway. Um, the minutes are counting down, and uh, you know this is the, the most important heat of Tatiana Weston-Webb's life, if, 
if not Carissa Moores. Uh, you know, two two years worth of political manoeuvring, quarantining, face nappy wearing, and competitive grinding, all boiling down to this. And uh, so here, Tuddy, here, t- here's t- Tuddy, here she goes. Uh, is it a bird? Is it a plane or is it some kind of giant fucking transformer swan? No, it's the Wazzle's very own water safety jet ski cutting straight through the middle of Tatiana Westernweb's potentially world title winning wave. Uh, I mean, and I've actually got some mm. leaked audio here from the jet ski rider Vaughn. Uh, what? What? I can't hear you. Oh, I'm saying you don't need a lift back out. My bad. Um, yeah, so that's an exclusive Frank that swell. But yeah, I mean, the, the only silver lining uh, I can see is that finally we get to see a pro surfer have their wave ruined by a jet ski. Uh, so uh, now you know how it feels, cunts. But uh, yeah, <laughs> remarkable. Remarkable one. Yeah. But you'd never believe you'd that. This here is a poem by the great Australian cartoonist Michael Loonig, an absolute Icon of Australian culture par excellence. Very fitting, actually. Uh, I think it's a decade or more old, but uh, this is called Ode to a Jet Ski Person. Ode to a Jet Ski Person. Jet Ski Person, selfish fink. May your silly jet ski sink. May you hit a pile of rocks, O oh hoonish summer coastal pox. Noisy smoking dickhead fool, on your loathsome leisure tool. Give us all a jolly lark and sink beside a hungry shark. Scream as in its fangs you go, your last attention seeking show. While on the beach we all join in with three cheers for the dorsal fin. Well played, Lunig. Maybe the reason it's not talked about is because of the uh, white shark that jumped out in the men's final uh, while Fanning was in the booth. And, uh, you know, of course, that teed up Slater to just completely ignore Fanning's side of that J-Bay incident and bring up his own shark stories, which is uh, <laughs> typical Slater. Can't let Fanning have a win. But, uh, yeah, mate, like that, that wake, I mean, far out. Like, as you say, about time a, a pro surfer copped it. But uh, timing-wise, a little bit on the uh, heavy side, running it right through, r- running a few ribs right up the face of a world, potentially world title winning wave. Bit low. Oh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Tatiana would happily lose like a portion of her foot uh, to a, you know, a juvenile great white and, you know, cough up a world title in those circumstances to a diesel mm. puffing water bike. Um, anyway, but uh, so a disaster. And yeah, the, the shark sighting just absolutely uncanny uh, during uh, Fanning's, you know, commentary. And I, I mean, I, I can only imagine he was just coming up to say good day. Must be the yeah. same bloke. Yeah. Must be a fucking Roger from, no, no. Uh, Roger from J-Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this shark is the same shark from J-Bay and it's just following the tour. Maybe it's a fan, mate. Mm, yes. Well, mate, uh, what's Pauline's takeaways? I mean, uh, she must be so good to uh, have a chat with Pauline again. We love having her on the show. She's one of all, all-time favourites. Uh, what was her take? Yeah, I mean, she was critical of the, the format. She wasn't a fan. Um, you know, a world title winner herself. She believes that it, the, the silverware belongs to the best surfer over 
the entire year, not just uh, to be decided on the final day, as, as good as it is for the spectators. So that was uh, kind of a one takeaway. Um, you know, she was not critical of Steph, but she had, uh, you know, some um, savvy advice for the Fem Goat, uh, if she cares to listen to the program. Um, and, uh, yeah, also quite mesmerised by the performance by uh, by Tatiana, uh, the backside attack there. But, um, you know, ultimately a good result for women surfing in that Carissa Moore, who was the undisputed form surfer of the year, um, to see her take out the event. Let's have a listen. Let's have a listen to the Bondi Fem Goat. Oi. G'day, Pauline. How are you? Good yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Just picking up the pieces after a radical day of surfing yesterday. Actually, um, you know, my head's obviously exploded, so I've had to, uh, you know, put that back together. Where were you watching it from? Um, just down here in the Baggerville Swamp, the spiritual home of women's pro surfing. At Bondi? Nah, nah. Uh, out the back of uh, out the back of Wardell. Are oh, you in Wardell? Yeah, I'm a Wardellian these days. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really keen to get your take on it all. Um, Man, what a time of the night to run. You know what drove me nuts, right? Is I was loving it. Like, I stayed up, I didn't fall asleep. And then, like, I watched the two heats of the women, and then I watched the two heats of the guy. Or actually, I missed the last five minutes of the guy, so I didn't see who won. Then I had to go and drive the school bus. And then I came back and watched the rest as a replay and found out who won and, and watched the last heats. Oh, true, true. Well, um, let's get into it. I mean, uh, Chris Moore wins her fifth world title at Trestles, uh, a wave where she's won 11 NW, NW, NSSA junior events. Um, yeah, what did you take away from her performance? Um, I thought the nerves got the better of her in the first round, and I was like... Thank God that they're doing three heats because, to me, Carissa was absolute standout this year. And her, when you know, like in the late heats, you saw she just was surfing with so much power, and she's just in the league of her own, really. Mm. Um, yeah, I just thought she was amazing, and I'm I'm really happy that you know for the men and the women that she ended up winning, and and Gabrielle ended up winning because they were both well and truly deserving. Even mm. though it made it exceptionally exciting for us as um, spectators, it was really fun to watch that. It was unfair, yeah. but it was really fun. Oh, so you weren't into the format? No, I didn't think it was fair. Mm. Mm. But, no. you know, like from a spectator's point of view, great. But from a an all-round, you know, like to me, a world champion is like the best person of the year, not just an event. Mm. Mm. So, um, you know, and especially that they were just so far ahead, it would be okay if it was like, um, you know, maybe not much in it to do that kind of thing. But when people dominate so much and then you just turn around and say it's only this event, I just think it's kind of, I don't know, it's not really getting the best surfer of the year sort of thing. Yeah, no, there's been a couple of those kinds of criticisms. I think BL, uh, Barton Lynch is on the kind of the same train of thought that you are. Uh, but, yeah, you, you kind of pointed to something uh, that's very valid, um, just, you know, the fact that ever since she nailed that skits air reverse in Newcastle, the writing was on the wall for the women. Um, you know, Chris Moore was for sure the standout. 
Um, I mean, but if the, I guess if the world title was awarded on style, then uh, I feel like yeah, Steph would have won a million, but it's not, and Chris seems to well and truly have the wood on her as well as the rest of the field. You know, what do they need to do, like Steph in particular, Sally in particular, what do they need to do to kind of um, step their game up a notch and, and uh, get a world title off Carissa? Well, Steph seems to fall off a lot. She always seems to be falling at, like, really crucial moments, so... I know she says it's her favourite board, but maybe she needs something that's a little bit more forgiving. Unless it's just the nerves, I don't know. It's like, it just seemed to find, you know, it just seems like, and even like Carissa when she, Stephanie won down in um, um, Mexico because Carissa was falling. And Carissa, it's sort of like unlike her to fall. So I'd say, um, yes, Steph's got to work on not falling off. Yeah, it was a weird early morning heat. They didn't really score in those opening heats. It was a bit wonky and kind of a bit too big for the reef, it seemed. It, it, I feel like it really kind of the swell yeah, tape. Yeah, that, that's the only heat I missed, but mm. on the replay, so I didn't see, like, how many lulls there were and whatever, that kind of thing. But um, I don't know, like, even, you know, just even if I think to WA, just a few places where she's just, you know, her surfing's just phenomenal, but she doesn't get a chance to show it. Yeah, might 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 be that kind of uh that Dane Reynolds curse of just being a bit too much of a purist and not willing to compromise uh, on style for function and just grit. Sometimes you got to do ugly turns to get heat wins. Yeah, like um, I just feel like she's missing the err. Mm. She's like just so flawless her style, but um, like Chris is. I mean. Steph is just so talented. She can do all those turns. It's like sometimes you just want to, you know, just like push the shit out of the tail there, you know what I mean? Mm. But she'll just do it so stylish. Yeah. It's like she, she'd rather go for style than aggression. Yeah, yeah. So I think if she could do her style with just a tiny bit more aggression, you know, style's great when it comes to, um, you know, free surfing and everyone loving your style, but to win heats, I think you just need that little bit more aggression. Mm. And that's what Carissa's got, doesn't she? She's uh, kind of unrivaled in that category, just savage, like those uh, layback hacks she does. And I don't know, like, there's just so much energy and, yes, yeah, speed and just critical lines in her surfing. It's, um, you know, I, for me, she, you know, stylistically, she's not my favorite surfer uh, in the women's realm, but uh, it's undeniable. I imagine if you could mix the two. <laughs> that's right, you can't have it all. Uh, <laughs> but imagine that if you could mix. Actually, you know, um, Sierra Kerr's the mix of the two. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting one. That's insane. Yeah. That, you, she, you think she's definitely going to uh, be troubling for world titles in the near future? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Interesting. Who's she going to represent? Australia or? Uh, I know, I know. I reckon she'll represent America. No. That's I, I don't know. Like, I mean, does the mum come over here when they come and stay over here? I don't know. It's a good question. I actually wanted to um, ask you your thoughts on Tatiana representing Brazil instead of Hawaii. I mean, I think it's a. I think she spent about four days there after she was born or something. She's about as, mate. She's about. I know. I know. But she's as Hawaiian as a bloody luau. I reckon. You get know, the, I get think the Brazilian just, bikini off and put the grass skirt on. I say. I think for having the Olympics, it's actually good because they needed all those countries to make it work. Mm. And you want them to look like they can surf, not that they can't surf. So for that reason, I think it's good. But if you're looking at it from a political point of view, then it's pretty ridiculous, isn't it, that you can do that? Mm, mm, yeah. So, 
like my dad was from um, Hungary. Oh, you could have represented oh, no. Hungary on the world too. Are you kidding? So me? I could have gone and represented Hungary. Well, it's very fitting too, Pauline, because you were going hungry while you're on the women's world tour a fair bit, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, and I'm always hungry when I'm on steroids. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, wow. <clears throat> wow, I can't imagine there's uh, a great pro surfing lineage from Hungary, uh, but uh, they, I don't know, they, they might have a river wave there or something. Um, I don't know. I've been in, in some wormholes in nightclubs in Budapest. I can, you know, they were every bit as exhilarating as getting a six foot stand up pit. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, back to the surfing, Tatiana, um, you know, she, she came one backside belt away from winning the whole shebang. Um, oh, no, I saw that. Oh, my God. Oh, after all the, the insane backside surfing she'd done, I feel like. You know, in some ways, it was a pretty regulation. Uh, it wasn't a regulation section here. It was a bit awkward, but yeah, far out. You know, you would have been tipping that she'd stick that. I mean, talk to us a bit about the backside surfing she was doing. It was mesmerizing, man. She was savage. Just well, I'll be honest. I kind of thought Tatiana surfed. Like I said to my partner, I said I actually think Tatiana should have won the event, but not the world title. Mm. So I thought all around she was just like absolutely smashing the bag out of it. Mm. And it seems like she's improved her style a bit because before her style was a little bit more, like her bum was out a little bit more. And, um, yeah, I don't know. She's just tidied it up. She's sort of following her body better now. And some of her, like some of her off the tops were just so good. How wild were they? Um, I feel like it might have something to do with the board. She was riding a bit more rail in the water. She, I don't know if she was on a step up or um, like she was definitely on a step up. But I don't know if that's the, the usual board that she rides all year. But yeah, that, that bit of extra length, uh, giving her a bit of extra stability to just come off the bottom and tee off like a long hair. Oh, head totally. And, and she was surfing through the bumps better than everyone, I thought. Mm, mm. You know, like, she didn't make it on the coming off the top and coming back down, falling then, but, like, the way she was pushing through on her bottom turns before she hit the top, hit the lip, were pretty incredible. Mm, and just, like, crazy backside hangers, but then linking them, too. Like, the, the transitions between turns were remarkable. She was yeah, fucking shrouding. Totally. It was wild. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I guess... Uh... But, you know, overall result, I thought it was absolutely perfect because, like I said, if she could have won the event separately and then not the world title and then Carissa won the world title, that's what I thought would have been great. Mm. But at the end of the day, for results, I thought it was great that they were, they were first and second. Unreal. All right, Pauline, thank you so much. No worries. Bloody nailed it. Wow. Oh, I love hearing from Pauline and uh, awesome insights there, Smivy. Thanks for chatting with the great Pauline from Scum Valley's Finest. Uh, mate, up next, uh, this is a really interesting chat. Uh, this is with the 88 world champ, Barton Lynch, who I did feel like was missing from that final day commentary. BL, uh, as most fans of pro surfing would know, brings so much pa passion, so much knowledge, so much... Uh, uh, just intellect. Uh, he's a really beautiful, uh, articulate man who, who can really translate, as you saw from the Olympics, he can translate surfing in a way that doesn't dumb it down for people who are just new to it, but also, you know, it, it facilitates what core surfers need as well. And that's like, you know, a really good understanding of how the heats are working out and why people are getting scored, what they're scored. And, he, and he's not scared to rip it into the into the WSL and, and the judging and all that sort of stuff as well. 
But Smith, this is a, a really wide-ranging convo. It starts with uh, you know the world title, uh, sort of ventures off into a million different conspiracy rabbit holes, as you'd expect, and then winds up with uh, Beal's blast off. You know, so we go from basically the whole journey in reverse from from world champ back to you know <laughs> how how kids start now and what Beal thinks they should be looking for as they begin their their journeys. It's really fascinating, mate, and. Um, yeah, he's one of my all-time favourite characters in surfing. He, he he can sometimes, you know, I guess he's he's just one of those guys who has his opinion and he isn't scared to share it, and I just respect that. Like, you know, he, he gets emotional, but he, he's a great chat, and uh, this is a, a long-form interview, and I think, uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it, mate. Oh, how good's that, uh, mate? Uh, yeah, I love BL. He's eccentric. He's eclectic. He takes it from the, the macroscopic view right down to the microscopic microdosing view. And, uh, I mean, he's a core <laughs> lord, cone fiend, old school, uh, you know, train spotting, manly, inner city fucking lunatic. Uh, you know, oh, mate, the, the steez that he was rocking uh, right through the – the kind of uh, crowning glory of his career through the late 80s, early 90s, just iconic, uh, you know, just nothing screams Sydney surfing more than BL. And, uh, you know, I love that he's just su- such a product of all the, you know, strange and uh, mystical influences, uh, not just in uh, inner city surfing culture and northern beaches surfing culture, but, you know, he's a man of the world. You know, he's got a house in Hawaii. He's, a, you know, he's coached a thousand young kids. Uh, he's got one of the best takes on surfing, you're ever likely to hear. This is going to be a fucking treat, Swellians. Yeah, this is what we're signing off our world title spectacular with. The 88 world champ at his absolute finest. And, um, yeah, mate, I just fucking congratulations to Gabe. Congratulations to Carissa. But more so, congratulations to Kingy. And congratulations to Rossi. The fucking engine room behind the champs. Big wins. Pretty piss weak if you ask me. G'day, BL. Great to have you on the show at last, mate. I think you're one of the last world champs we haven't had on the Swellians yet. We're well overdue. Mate, I'm thinking you've got something against me. <laughs> Not even slightly. We love you. Period. Still no surfing world covers. What is going on? Oh, mate. You, yeah, no, nah, it's a stitch up. If we ever bring out a, a, a Swellian magazine, you're definitely on page one of the first ish, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just dive in, mate, because I know you are the ultimate surf tragic, uh, competitive surf tragic as well, and um, I just would love to know where you were and how you saw that final WSL finals day perform. How did it peel out for you? For me, I mean, I didn't like it to start with, right? I, I have a lot of trouble with the idea that the best surfer in the world all year may lose in one day. I don't see that as as a fair scenario because it's a world title and it's over a 12-month period. So I never really liked the idea. Um, and then I watched it um, and interestingly enough, I asked people on my Instagram, what did you guys think to see what people think? Because I like watching all kinds of surfing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't, I just enjoy watching it, whether it was the Eddie or, you know, Nazare or whatever it is, it's kind of interesting just to watch. I just enjoy watching it. Um, and but for me, to be honest, it took a while to warm up and for things to kind of feel like a finals day. There was a point in time where I was watching going, oh, I feel like I'm just watching a normal event because the waves don't bring the moment 
to what the moment is because the way even as good as it gets, call it now that you're right. I don't know, it gets much better. Um, it's still not the sort of wave the pipeline is, and there's just not that excitement. There's not a wipeout. There's not a drama. There's you know there's a world title race, and that is the drama and the waves and the environment didn't really to me contribute to the to that entertainment. Mm. Um, and so I feel like you know, and then a lot of people said to me too, like. That's got its place. That style of event's got its place, but maybe it's like the Grand Slam Cup at the end of a world tour, or some kind of a some kind of a special event that's there to, to, to make money and to you know to create entertainment and that sort of thing. Um, and I tended to agree with all. Yeah, and that was ninety percent of the people that commented was pipelines a better finish and good concept. We liked it. We enjoyed it, but maybe it sits outside of the world tour. Mm. And. And that's kind of how I feel too. I just, you know, I'm a bit old-fashioned, mate. I suppose I liked uh, things the way they were. I didn't. I felt like the tour, back as it was, was the best it had ever been. I felt like the coverage was coming, becoming really good. I felt like the audience was really stoked on the product, and I felt like everything was kind of going the right way. Mm. Um, but with that in mind, you look at the year that it was and the difficulties that WSL have had in trying to conduct a tour and, and keep the sport alive, and they managed to do it. And if you put it in that context and you think, well, if there's ever a year to experiment, this was the year to experiment. 100%. You know what I mean? And, and so I look at I see a lot of positives. I don't necessarily, you know, I, I'm just so glad that the best surfers won. That's yeah. all. Yeah. If it had gone any other way, I imagine that the feedback, the sentiment, and the that that energetic vibration around the surfing world might not be so positive. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of one, and it was kind of saved by the fact that those guys maintained their dominance that they'd had all year and proved that they were the best. Um, so, so that part made me breathe easier. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know it, it worked out well, really well, because if um, you know if, if Gabe had lost, the people would have gone berserk. But they would have gone berserk because change is a hard thing to accept initially. Anyway, um, my my favorite my favorite world title race ever is the '88 world title race. Like that, to me, is the ultimate year of pro surfing. Because um, you know, I was a kid. I was at my most um, I was at my most peak froth, you know what I mean? And um, it was alpha, it was every alpha hero all in with a shot, heading into pipeline, 15 to 18 foot, uh, Billabong Pro. This is obviously the one you won. So, uh, you know, I, I just, to me, that had all the drama, all the excitement, but the missing ingredient, BL, it didn't occur to me till uh, the finals day format started was that you never got to actually slug it out with your main rivals in that event. Did you surf any heats against Dilma or TC in that in that event? No, Karen. I surfed against Karen. Mm. Races a long shot, I suppose. And that's um, that's where I reckon. Yeah, that's where I reckon it worked because I was like, by the time it got to Phil and um, Gabe, it was it was Ali and Foreman, man. And like Italo, yeah, he got knocked by you know rampaging Phil, who just is pretty much just has that wave on lock. But those three surfers just attacked it so hard. And I felt like that part of the format is really like where the, you reward the fans because that's what you want to see. You don't want to see, you know, that situation where, I don't know, like uh, 
the, the lower half of the of, of or you know just wild cards or whatever whoever plays into it just upsets the balance. I think you're just kind of you're robbing that opportunity to see heavyweight guys go at it unless you have an Italo and um, Gabe 2019 scenario. Um, so for that, yeah, the, only, the, the only way I agree with that is the only people who should be allowed to surf in the finals day are people who could win a world title in one event. If you're outside of, say, you're eleven, so so in my theory, in my mind, there should not have even been one this year because he was eleven thousand points ahead, and no one could catch him in one event. Mm. Right? If you can catch the guy, the front runner, if you can catch the guy in one event, you're within ten thousand points, and, and you're a chance that you could win this world title. Then I then I figure it. But when guys are coming in who don't even have a chance at winning it in one more event, that's just. That's rubbish to me. They don't even belong there mm. because they're, they're not in with they're not in within a, a striking distance in one more event. Yeah, so yeah. That was that was the part in my mind where I went, how could I accept this format? And that's the way I could accept it. If you going into the, the last event of the year, which that is, um, if you're in a mathematical shot of winning the world title, and one year you might have eight guys or girls, right? You might have you might have three. You don't know how many you're going to get, but you get as many who are a legitimate mathematical chance going into the last event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got that, a different that I, that I could live with. Yeah, I, I've definitely got a different take. We could break this down a million different ways and and come up with different sort of solutions for it. But I thought uh, on this occasion it was just such an epic spectacle. What did you make of the surfing uh, from those those guys for, in the heats that you did see? Like just on a purely um, technical, energetic, and, you know, performance level? Uh, I, I, I felt that there was, uh, you know, there was... Italo's, Italo's approach was really interesting because he ordinarily just goes and just catches 100 ways and flies at it. Um, and, and so he was way more selective and it looked like there'd been some kind of conceptual change in the way he was going to approach surfing lowers. That obviously didn't work. Um Gabrielle and, and Felipe, the interesting thing, I suppose, is Felipe, if he didn't fall on the end of those two little rides mm. and finish that last manoeuvre, he, he, he it would have, might have been a different one. It might have gone to, to a third. It could have, who knows what could have happened with just those tiny little tweaks. And then when I watched him paddle up and celebrate with, or, or put his arm around Gab with 40 seconds to go, in my mind, I'm thinking, that's why he doesn't win. Ah. Yeah. Right. That those those two little falls are unacceptable at this level of competition, mate. You can't lose that concentration. That's his bread and butter. Just finish the job. Stay with it. I oh, know you've fallen a lot. <laughs> you know what oh. I mean? To me, it was it was it was it was um, symbolic in a way. Mm. Um, and then when he went up and he put the arm around and and it was like, well, the true champ won. And the true champ don't make mistakes like that. He doesn't let those little things slip away. And, you know, even from myself winning that world title, that was a day. I was in a mathematical chance, so I put myself into the contention. And then one day unfolds the way, whatever way it does, who knows? And that's the beauty because no one knows. Trying to manufacture this into a commercial product that's, that creates income um, with ignoring history, ignoring tradition, ignoring all those other things that that are, that are a part of it. To me, um, I just I just feel like there's uh, I didn't feel like it was that bad. 
Mm. Right? I didn't feel like it was in need of an overhaul. Yeah. I know how to fix it. You fix the judging, you fix the product. You think about that product, if I may go on a little tirade here. <laughs> um, but I, and I have shared this idea with, with many people in power at WSL and across the board. But to me, the most important part, the, most, the thing that WSL has never tinkered with is the most important part, which is the judging. Mm. They have tinkered with so many parts of the sport and made so many great things come to the sport. It's been, you know, thank Christ we got rid of ASP and moved to this new era, this new time, which is the WSL. And, and you know, experimentation, trying stuff and seeing where things goes is great, you know. Um, and I asked for the same opportunity with an event. And what I said, I believe, above my heart, is that what we're spreading here, you've got a sport, but what you're really spreading is a culture. Mm. And what we are collectively involved in and we're attracted to, and you know this is my side, is the culture. Mm. I wasn't attracted to it because it was a sport. Mm. I wasn't attracted to it because I could do it as a job. I was looking at this kind of almost rebellious kind of outlaw, fringe, counterculture type of activity and going, that's just freaking cool. Look mm. at that. I want to be a surfer. And so when you say... you. Yeah, when you say you want to tinker with the judging, like what specifically do you have in mind there? So, so the very the, the people who should pass on the culture, pass on the traditions, pass on the values of what good surfing are, are the elders of the tribe, mm. and they've got to be they've got to be relevant enough to be understand the surfing that goes on. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not good enough to be a judge. I can commentate. But I'm not good enough to be a judge in the modern day of surfing because I don't understand it. Um, And I don't, it's just beyond my comprehension about a lot of what I watch. So you need, it should be the highest paid job in the WSL. It should go to the elders of the tribe and it should go to people who we, we, as as a sport and a culture, give the responsibility to, to pass on the traditions of what is good and bad. What is the sport about? So to me, you've got... CJ Hobgood and uh, Shane Dorian and, 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 and those guys are on the panel and part of our broadcast, when those scores come in, I would go back to the old 3-2-4-1-5-0 judging system, right? This one, what you have now is a system where, you know, if I'm a judge, right, and the way it's written, I know myself well enough that in the back of my mind, first priority is to fit in with the boys and girls on the panel. Mm-hmm. Where are we going with this? Where does this fall in? I don't want to be the high judge and the low judge all the time and end up losing my job because I can't fit in. Mm. So where are we going? Where are we going as a collective on this? That's that's natural human instinct, and it's beyond a conscious thing. It's an unconscious consideration, right? So you kind of get to this point where there's no opinion. There is this average. You take, you've got two judges who you knock off because you're trying to average. And if they're knocking off, they shouldn't even be there, really, if you're knocking people off. If you haven't, maybe you just need three of these guys in, in my concept of how the panel would be, who are the very best. They put their scores in. And when, you, when you're not comparing scores and have to keep scale, right, when you can be you and look at the way Britain and go, that's a four to me. And then Mark, then CJ Hobgood looks at that way and goes, it's an eight. And we see this extreme difference in scores. They could still have the same winner of the heat. Yeah. It doesn't mean because they disagree on an exchange or on an interpretation of performance, which is what you want. But in the current system, it's, 
it's not not appreciated. You need that thing to be within a point of each other. So yeah. it looks like I, the end result's the right result. Yeah, I remember like so, uh, chat, yeah. chatting with Taj Burrow once about you know, the, the the floor in that <clears throat> system for me is that. TB needed to know what the framework was when he paddled out. Like, he needed to know what he had to do to win, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you, Does that... you can easily do that. It's a mathematical thing, right? So you've got three judges and three scores, and you know that on one judge's sheet, you might be down two judges to one. You might be down three judges to nil. But you know that on this judge's sheet, you need a, a this to, to take the lead. On that judge's sheet, you need this to take the lead. You can still relay that information. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the excuse that our hunt would use too back when we talked about it a long time ago. So to me, um, so to me that, that, and what happens then, right, there's credibility in the results, there's interpretation of the performance by elders who are, who are we welcome their opinions. And when you see that, that the, the differences or things of interest, you cross to the panel. And we go from the thing that we're going to talk to Shane now, mate. Hey, Shane, you went on a four, such and such had six. Where did you, what did you see? <laughs> I didn't like was when he came around that section and he caught that rail at the bottom, that missed that section. That was the scoring section. Where you get the, the work he did at the end was okay, but I'm not interested so much in that as, you know, they, they educate the viewer mm. and the audience on what <clears throat> they see. And we're educating people on what good surfing is by using the very best, by crossing to them. They become your coverage. They are your experts, and you're talking to them and getting their opinions. Oh, man, that's, uh, that opens the door for some uh, wild conversation out there in, uh, in pro surf fan land, that's for sure. Well, that, I, I just I feel like that to me, and I said to, I said to WSL a couple of times, hey, kid, when you've got a... You know, a pool, a wave pool event, or you've got an event that's not a part of the tour, can we trial this? Mm. Can I have an event, can I have an event that we trial a different type of judging? Yeah. It actually, mate, what you're describing uh, sounds a bit like Stab High. I don't know if you've caught that one, but um, the air show where they, they do cross to the judges and um, it's, a, it's a panel of, of basically you know, air specialists who, who comment yeah. online, comment direct to camera about why they gave different scores. And it was, you know, Shane Beshin and Albie Layer and all that judging, you know, Deans and Creed McTaggart's and yeah, uh, yeah. Matt Miola's and whatnot. Definitely entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that, that's, that was the way to... That's an area that, of the sport that needed... needed to be assessed anyway and looked at in terms of formatting, in terms of all those other things, I feel like it was pretty, it was on a good path. You get the, you do some work in that other area and then come back to that. Yeah. It'd be my kind of way of working my way through fixing stuff. Yeah. You don't just get to a point and go, well, that's that point and step around it. And I'm sure they've most probably had discussions and conversations about it. And it's not to criticise the current situation. I actually and honestly thought the judging was really, really well done when I watched that event because it was, you know, there was, there's, there's certain scores that come in and you go, yeah, I felt like when I saw the, what was the opening exchange set to, if, I mean, uh, Felipe and Gabrielle, and Gabrielle got the right and got the 6-3-3. Yeah. And, if it, and he got a, did he get an 8-9-3? Or no, 7-8-3, wasn't it? It was one and a half points better. That's right. And I was like, I didn't see that one and a half points. So I didn't. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of getting closer to the uh, three-set final. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a suspicious yeah. little conspiracy theorist that I am. Um, it kind of, uh, 
you know, but, but I, I watched, as that whole thing, you know, watching exchanges and critical moments, and I thought the judging was, was really good. They kept, kept scale so well, and it, it kind of, you know, the right results happened. Yeah, I, I was good, but... completely agree with that. I thought the surfing, uh, it, the, the, the best surfer on the day one, like, I, like Philippe was absolutely mind-blowing, but Gabe was just on another planet. I just want to get your take, mate. I, I know that you've spoken about him uh, a lot over the years, but but now that he's a three-time world champion, he he seems to be in just such a good place personally, uh, you know, outside of competition and the rashy. What do you make of Medina? Like, where does he sit for you in, in the pantheon of greats? Oh, he's right up there. I feel like um, I'm surprised he's only had three. Yeah. Uh, I I expect him to go beyond. And, and in the current age and in the time he's doing it against like the likes of Little Alan Felipe and John John Florence and Geordie Smith and people that, you know, incredible, incredible surfers that can't get into the top five because there's just such such amazing surfing going down. Mm. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, the thing that I respect about his situation is that he's never been given a point or given a heat that I've seen. No. Nah. He's never been given a point five or a point on something in my mind, in the way I look at it, I go, ever. I, he, every point he has earned, he has earned the hard way. And it's almost like there's a reluctance almost to give it to him. <laughs> as, a, as a fan who, who of, of him, of surfing, but I don't have a geographical um, restriction to where I support or what I see. Yeah. I feel like I'm a, a global-based human. I see things on a much kind of... I don't see it territorially. I almost gave up watching football because there's these concepts of the things that you support and that they limit and minimise your opportunity to grow because you are this. Mm. I am that. And so there's this limiting thing when you come to a sport and I am this. I'm a Queenslander, I'm a New South Wales. And there's, there's these limiting sort of, they're limiting beliefs in a way. The support you have for any idea, for anything, is kind of something that sticks you to a point in time and doesn't allow you to evolve from it. Mm. That's it. So, a- yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, I, yeah, definitely. But I mean, Manly are playing the Roosters this weekend, mate, and I'll be damned if I'm going to open myself up to being a Roosters fan. I haven't watched footy for a couple of years. <laughs> no, but look, I totally understand what you're saying there. Um, but like, I felt like this year, Gabby had a really unusual thing happen. And like, you know, when they say like, if you if you're good enough, long enough, people will start to hate you, or they'll learn to to, to dislike you, or find a reason to sort of you know, make you the enemy, but it's the opposite for Gabe. He's been the enemy in, in a lot of surf fans' minds for so long. Uh, I guess yeah. Aussie surf fans in particular, and it's the opposite now. Everyone would have felt robbed if he didn't win that world title. So he had like almost the entire surfing world with him, which must have been a weird and feeling. Yeah, and how good, and his speech was the best speech he's, he's ever made. Yeah. Uh, I thought the way, the way he spoke about his fellow competitors and led us into him and the fact that he has these, this ultimate respect for this sport and for the people he competes against and the way he, the way he plays the game, the way he commits himself to this is unlike anyone else commits themselves to it. Uh, this year was uh, an incredible year. Uh, first of all, like, all the honor and glory goes to God, you know. Uh, yeah, I couldn't do without Him, and um, and it's always challenge, you know, to be up there. And I'm always in that spot and fighting with these guys. I'm so proud to be 
just to be part of this, you know, because every surfer deserves to be where they are, you know, like, and they make it so hard. And uh, I had to work really hard to win this title. Um, and uh, yeah, I want to congratulate all the, all the guys and especially this guy, uh, Felipe Toledo. Yeah. He's, for me, yeah, for me, he's the best out here. I knew it was going to be a hard battle against him and uh, I have a big respect for him. And I know his title will come one day and uh, I'll be there to, to hug him. Different format change, and you were so dominant, the best year you've ever had on tour. Now, in the rear view, as you look back, now that it was decided this day, in the water on one day, in front of all these fans, seeing you hold the trophy now, are you happy that it came down to this day at Lower Trestles? Yeah, I'm so happy right now. Uh, <laughs> this is the best feeling you can ever uh, feel like and uh, this is my biggest goal, you know, uh, to be three-time world champion Just like Ayrton Senna, Mick Fanny, Tom Curran <laughs> That's so funny, that's so funny uh, But uh, yeah, I'm so happy um, Yeah, all the hard work and always believe until the end uh, Heats that I, I, I thought I was, uh, I was losing it and then getting this score in the last second, you know uh, yeah, that was really fun. Uh, and I want to thank a special person that she got my back this year, and I'm so proud of her. And <laughs> I love you, Linda. <laughs> Yasmin, uh, ah, I love you so much. Thanks for having my back. And yeah, I'm over the moon. Uh, I think we deserve this this trophy. And uh, yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for making me comfortable, even when was storming, you know, and uh, yeah, I love you so much. Thank you. Oh, and, and Kingy, where is he? Kingy? Andy King, Andy King, we're looking for him. Yeah. I love you, oh, thank you, you so much. You're the man. Thanks, Kingy. <laughs> You're the man, thanks for your help. Yes. <laughs> Here for Gabriel Medina. It's all it's all laid on the line. There's no hiding behind a corner and pretending you're a this or a that or you know what I mean? It's just full commitment to, to, to the cause and to your goals and to what you want to do with your life and I've always loved and respected that about him and I've loved the fact that he's you know, a little bit of what he has done is he's made it hard for himself with, with not having an awareness around public relations mm. and with a little bit of awareness around public relations some good management some good help on the ground in there some some work in that area and getting to know him rather than just have him as the dark night of surfing um it, it could have who knows where it could have been he could have been um i i my mind goes back to that first wave of Italo's in the final at the pipeline masters where he got that right hander and got the backdoor chew mm. Remember? Yeah. It was the first wave of the final. Gabriel had blown his public relations campaign out of the water by doing KO again, a belly in that quarterfinal and doing the same thing again. Um, and people hated him and there was no way he was winning that final ever. And when that first exchange, and that's not to say anything's corrupt, it's just to say that energetically, you know, we're all energetic beings and success in this world is based on energy before mm. it's based on anything else. And, and, and energetically, the world did not want him to win it. 
And then that first exchange dropped and I watched Italo's backdoor tube and I thought to myself in my head, five, five, comes in at a seven, five, and went, there you go, mate. You just, you just there's, yeah. no, there's no way you're with about it. It wasn't, again, it's not to suggest anything's um, not to do. No, oh, no, I see. I, influence, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so those, those things are real. And in the management of your life and your opportunities, you know, it's, it's one thing to be you and be a bull. And then there's those times when you've got to manage the situation in a conscious, aware way to get what you want the other way or another way, not just be a one-trick pony. And so, yeah, I feel like that's where we're heading and seeing with him is this, he's, he's allowed himself to open up. He's travelling, not with the, his family, and so there's a different environment around him. He's got different influences, and uh, and we're seeing the benefits of that in his surfing and then in his personality. And, and I do love the fact that people see him as a... Yeah, a little, a little more depth to him than just being the dark night of press surfing. Mate, uh, that's awesome insight, BL. I love hearing that stuff, man. And I, I totally agree. I think a lot of surf fans probably do. Um, Energy-wise, just just uh, on that topic again, um, the, the women's side to me looked like tough going. I, mean, I watched the whole thing from 12.30 in the mor- morning till, you know, 7. And I never saw anyone just grab it by the scruff of the neck. The, the women looked tentative and, and nervous. Uh, even Carissa, it was just so uncharacteristic. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you'd put that down to, but it, it definitely sort of looked like there wasn't that just 100% throwing everything at it like the uh, the guys did in this particular event. Do you have any takeaways on that? Oh, I think I, I think we even saw an element of that in the guys' performances. Mm. I don't feel like... I don't feel, you know, even those little falls at the end of ways for Felipe, there was... There was some definite pressure in that day, wasn't there? And yeah. There was definitely um, a, a different type of feel to the whole, to, to the way people performed. And, and unlike an event where you go through your first round and your second round, and, and, you know, I remember back in the day when we were competing, there were first rounds for us that you knew you were going to get through. Yeah. Or in, in your mind, in your, in your base, you were, you were certain, mate. There were people who had oh, sick warm-up. Mm. You know, if you had this kind of a kind of a feel about it, um, and, and I believe that on the women's tour, for the very best ladies, there might be still some heats like that occasionally. Mm. There are less now than there's ever been. But when you're in an environment where you do get those couple of heats to get momentum going, and you're already in the quarters, and it's like now I can start surfing almost, you know, and it becomes real around the quarters. Um, you didn't have that. There was nowhere to hide in that sense, you know, for for anyone in that format. Nah. Um, and and I agree. I interpreted it the same way. The the, the ability to perform under pressure um, wasn't wasn't there at, at the level that it will be next year. Yeah. With exposure and experience, you know. Um, and at the same time, though, I think it's fair to say that when you look at the two absolute greats of this time in Stephanie Gilmore and Carissa Moore, and there's you know, an amazing support cast as well, but they are the two greats, um, it would be fair to say that they're both quite fragile competitors. Mm. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I don't believe that, that – I still believe Carissa to be quite a fragile competitor. You know what – sorry, mate. I, I, yeah. I, the reason why that's such a, a – just awesome observation or astute observation is because that these uh, these two champions have often run away with their world titles. Like they're, they're not forced into a, a sudden death um, situation where they're up against the, their main rival in almost any of their world title years. I mean, I know that it has come down to the last event a few times, 
but they've never really had to beat the person who wants it as badly as them in the last heat of the comp. So maybe that contributed yeah. something. Yeah, and to your point about what you liked about this format as well, that's what you said at the start, is that that's what you liked about it, was seeing them in that situation. And that's a good um, add-on to what I said, isn't it? You know, So it's a, it was a different experience, a different exposure, a different situation. And I suppose you know, for Carissa, it was lucky there were three of them because it, you know, the first one was... Was was taken by Tachi, so it was, you know, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I suppose there was there was some fragility there, and um, even the best have that sometimes. And when, even if you look at the men's tour, really, there's only one bloke that doesn't. Yeah, true, <laughs> mate. I uh, I've got to ask you, BL. You 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 won your world title '88 after a, a heartbreaking defeat the year before, and oh, yeah. th- there's. There's a, a new thing with this uh, Rip Curl Finals day, and that's that five people uh, are getting that feeling of being so close and, and not getting it. How do you bounce back, mate? How do, how do you, like, make it work for you? Because for surfers like Sally Fitzgibbons, who, you know, had the heartbreaking miss, made a huge error in her heat that cost her that, that shot in the final uh, against Taddy. Uh, and then on the men's side, you know, Felipe just on an absolute tear, looking like he was stuck to his board, a couple of mistakes in the final. How do you goldfish that and just wipe it from your memory? Or do you use that? You have, you, no, you have to experience it. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and I suppose, you know, we hear people talk about surrender and how there's so much to be gained in surrender. And, I'll, and, and it's something I understand really well at this point in my life where if you talk to me, I talk to my daughter about surrender, she looks at me like I'm giving in, like I'm some kind of coward. Mm. Some kind of, where's your fight? What do you mean surrender? What's good in surrender? But for me, the concept of surrender really is accepting your destiny, accepting that the work you've done, the person you are, the effort you've put in is, 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 is enough. And even if it ain't enough, it's all you got. And so there's this, there's this form of confidence that you get through experience and through failure. And I ain't scared of failing at all. I, I don't, you know, I suppose as a competitor, I got to a point where I didn't change emotionally whether I won or lost at the end of my career. It didn't matter to me at, in one way, I was not affected by the failure or the success of a heat for a couple, few years at the back end there. And it was an interesting thing because some good surfing came out of that. And then you've got to, you, you've got to recognise that in those moments, you're not in control. Most surfers go, or, or you like people, even, you like to think that you are in control and that you made things happen. I don't look at that world title day and go, oh, I made that happen. I didn't do that. Mm. I didn't even feel it's like that was the magic of the universe and the magic of a life spent committed to something, constantly trying, constantly failing. When you're a competitor, you imagine being a kid in the, in the late 70s, early 80s in Australia in that competitive surfing or, or, you know, world that was Australia with, with the, the most bizarre, unique characters, traditions, just there was a wild environment and you get up and you lose one week, you get up, you try to win, you lose. It's not a job for the faint-hearted. People don't get to that tour by being gutless, mm. by, not, by being weak, by losing and giving up. You just keep getting up, mate, and you keep getting up and you just keep fronting up. And, and I've lost so much in my life, when, you know, whether as a surfer, obviously, 
Um, and then, and then in, in business, in all sorts of situations, I've, I've failed to the point where I fail. I'm scared of it. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I'm not scared of getting injured. I've been injured so many times. I don't care. Mm. So through the exposure to these things, that's what Wim Hof says about the fear. He goes, you've got to go to the fear, mate. That's how, and that's where he uses the cold because the cold is just, it, it, it's excruciating, it's intimidating, it's, it's just got so much threat in it that you get into that ice bath and you sit there and you face that cold and you get out, you are, you've grown, mate. So there's that concept where you just got to, you got to deal with it, mate. And the one, you only fail when you stop getting up, mm. you know? Mm. But, and then you've got to also have this, a bit, you know, it's about awareness and about being able to grow and change who you are and constantly be looking inward at yourself and seeing your behaviour patterns, seeing the things you do, the way you respond to emotion, the way you do things, and then being open to kind of review it and go, oh, shit, there it is again, mate. Oh, maybe I've got a habit of doing this. Mate, are you, you know? joking, Bill? You're, you're dead set making me want to lace up some boots and run onto the field, mate. <laughs> I'm so inspired right now. <laughs> you know, with, with me, with me, the thing I've learned about me is, like, I go... And then there's an early give-in. I have this sort of weak early give-in in me and, and say it's in a training situation or in a, you know, in a big way. I've been dropping down the biggest wave of my life and gone, oh, I'm going to lose it. And I'm starting to wind the windows up and I'm bouncing from chop to chop. I'm like a 25-foot out of log cabins thing. And it's bouncing me and it's bouncing me out of my squat into straight legs and I'm winding the windows up and I've given up. I go, I'm going to fall on the biggest wave. I'm going to give up. And I've given up. And then at a point, there's this part of me that kicks in, mate. And when that kicks in, I never, ever, ever give up. Yes. And I never, ever surrender. And I've got to get through that first weak layer of me that has that kind of spit in it that, that will give up, you know, and just go, oh. And then, I, but, but if I push through that, there's this another part. So you learn about yourself. Mate. Oh, yeah, big time. Like, the, that ice bar thing you were talking about is the perfect example of putting that in practice in your own life and anyone can do it. You know what I mean? Where you jump in and yeah. you're like, no way, nah, I can't do this. But you can physically train yourself in that exact moment just by that one, just that one practice to push through the pain and actually start to feel yourself on a whole different level. So, yeah, man, that's – and then, yeah, you, I guess the more you do it, the more you can apply it to other areas of your life, whether it's business or, or you know, sport or whatever it is. That is fear, mate. You know what I mean? What? How do you respond to fear? And I'm a skinny little bloke, mate. I don't fight my way out of stuff. I've used my mouth and my brain to get myself out of all sorts of trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, mate. Yeah. You, 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 you learn. You just got to keep understanding and learning. And and I've been doing jujitsu for a little while now, and it's because I'm scared of it. Mm. The other day, I was like, I never go there really wanting to go. I don't jump up and go, let's go. I get up and go, not again, because it's intimidating and it's something I've never, I have to change so many things about myself to be able to go there and apply myself. And, and I always feel so good when I get back. And then Holly's like, I was like, oh, the last thing I want to do right now is go to jujitsu. And she's like, why do you do, why do you go? Don't go. Just, I go, no, I go because I don't want to go. <laughs> That's so good. That's 100% yeah. why I go. That's bad. You understand yourself, and you're on the perfect. Uh, you're on that that path to trying to create the best life, the best you, the best version. You've got to be open. If you're not listening to yourself, you're listening to other people, and that's where I think that that development. The best thing a coach can do is coach you to not need a coach. Yeah. Any coach that creates dependency on you 
and starts telling you what you shouldn't do, and I feel like that with people in general. People that tell you what you shouldn't do without getting to know you, without understanding you, without understanding your situation, they're the enemy. People that don't take the time to understand you and take the time to consider you and then tailor what they're saying to you, if they're just generalising, and we have that horrible, you know as well as I do, I didn't have the greatest... uh, respect for the surfing media Mm. and it was primarily because they were compromised by advertisers and media as it as it generally is is all compromised there are sources of of uncompromised media but generally speaking most of the media particularly the old forms of media are compromised and you know told and given direction by advertisers and that sort of thing and for me you got to, you know, people, you just got to find your own way and you got to believe, and that comes back to believing in your destiny and having that patience and that commitment and, you know, being well, true to yourself. Yeah. And wherever you end up is where you're meant to end up if you put yourself there. This is a good... people put yourself there, then that's the problem. You it, listen to them. Yeah, it's a perfect segue, mate, into... BL's blast off because you, you go from the top of the surfing world, uh, you know, Gabby Medina in terms yeah. of the competitive journey, right back to the start and... The, the comp that you, you know, has your name on it and that you uh, play a, a really, it's, it's your baby. Um, yeah. It's, it's older than most of the kids who go in it now, isn't it? It'd have to be getting up towards. Well, it is. It is. No, we'll be in our 16th year. We're in our 16th year. So yeah. Well, mate, I, I, I just, I think it's not your average comp. Um, I've been a part of it on, on occasion. Uh, I remember coming down to the Avalon Surf Club there and doing a speech to all these wide-eyed grommets and their families and, uh, all these things that you're talking about, more than anyone, mate, you've seen the progression uh, and the evolution, I should say, of the pathway from being a grommet to being world champion and, and what that looks like. Because it's very different, as you said before, from that 1970s thing where you're just a kid leaving home with no clue about anything and you've got Richo in, on one wing and maybe, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, Derek, uh, sorry, uh, Michael Ho on the other wing and uh, MP down the beach and, and going from that to, you know, these new pathways which are development programs and, and parents becoming, like, increasingly involved and managers and all this sort of thing. So you make a huge effort with the blast off to sort of, I don't know, it's like an education uh, and awareness of the, the, the peaks and pitfalls of all of that. But what's what's your main aim, mate? Like, what are you what are you trying to instill in the kids who who come and compete? I suppose in a lot of ways, people have been telling me I can't do this or that all my life. Like, I think back to your mates at school. You go, I'm going to be a world champion surfer, and they're snickering at you, and laughing at you, and you you go to career guidance, and they say you got to get a trade behind you. You're not the smartest tool in the shed. <laughs> like, hey, don't worry about me. I'm going to be a pro surfer. And they're like, oh, I think you better get a trade behind you. Go, hey, don't listen, I don't, I don't need your help. I remember being in Australian teams and having the coaches of the teams try, worrying about me because of the way my energy felt to them and having to go, hey, don't worry about me. It's okay. I'll do, you know. And then I look, you know, even through to, say, cryptocurrencies, people are like, oh, that cryptocurrency, and you go, oh, dude, I think I turned 20, I think I literally turned 20 bucks into 60 grand. Wow. You know what I mean? And if I'd been listening, and then I, you know, I, and Blastoff was one of those, right? I looked at the way contests are run, and you imagine kids go to an event and they do 2.33, 3.82, 6.95, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5, 4.5
First, second, third, fourth. Two-way total, 13.23. Yours is 6.85, which is a combination of three. And that's all they hear. And yeah. you're in fourth and it's over. And they're like, all the parents are standing around. Everyone's around trying to figure out those numbers and, and the math. And I was like, I've been around it all my life. Oh, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm one of, and I suppose I'm one of the experts who can pick scores. But I'm, when I'm picking scores, I'm not thinking what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what are they thinking? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a different understanding. So I, I, my idea was, hey, we're not going to score waves. We're going to run an event and we're not going to score waves and we're going to have the best judges and, I mean, the best coaches and surfers I can get to do the coaching and the judging. And we've had great people, ex-pros, all of that all the way through in the same vein as that idea for WSL judging where it's important who tells them where they come and what's going on. Um, and we don't score a wave for three days. And I remember people going, you can't do that. You can't watch me. <laughs> don't tell me what I can't do. I'll show you. This is how we do it. And so we, for three days, we don't score a single ride. Mm. We don't hear one number except for the place. And whether you're sixth or first doesn't matter in that hit because you get the same attention, the same coaching, the same experience, and you go and do it three times. Yeah. And yeah. Each, day, each day they get that coach, so they come to, to us to an event, and it's all about how you get better. It's all about being the best version of you. It's all about surfing and coaching. And, and we're helping the parents understand it too. And we're kind of, and then they go out there and they have this great experience. They learn what they did right and wrong. They go home, come back the next day and have another go. And it's it, what we ended up, and I remember, you you know the world of targeted marketing. Um, and I go, we ain't targeting anything, mate. That's just bull. We're going to focus on what we're doing. We're going to do it well. We let the market decide itself. And in the end, we've got, First-timers and blast-offs, you know, the first event that most kids do when we were running the physical events in Australia and Bali. Um, and, and then we get the very best kids in the country who mm. want to be there and win it. And they're all in it together, mate. When in this world would you have, you have an event that was for the best kids and the first-timers and they're all there sharing an experience together? Nah, man. And, and, and like the, the, the crazy thing that I noticed year upon year was just how many families – would travel from everywhere. I mean, you get every comp has its crew who are uh, committed to that uh, competitive success and, and they're willing to make the travel effort. But, you know, yeah. when you've got first-timers driving down from Noosa or over from WA, this is when obviously it was all open, just to be a part of that energy that, like you say, you know, is about sharing the experience rather than having a result, uh, a competitive result, that says so much for the spirit of the event. Yeah. Exactly, and that's and I'm so proud of it. Eh? It was a, it was an injury, and, and and that's where I, you know, I'm, I don't care what the circumstance around me is. I can, I just am in this habit out of life. Say it's your dad dying when young, or you're losing a heat, or global pandemics, or whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with. Um, you just got to be in the habit of turning negatives into positives. And you've got to turn those things around and be able to make it, it good for you and right for you, regardless of what it is. And so I suppose, in a sense, I feel connected to all them kids. And then when COVID hit um, and we couldn't run physical events and, you know, I wasn't sure when I was going to get back to Australia or what was going to happen there, still, still aren't, I suppose. And then, uh, you know, the, the idea of doing the video challenge came up. And so... Um, yeah, to know, walk us through it because there'll be... Walk us through it, mate, because there'll be uh, swelling parents and, and grommets listening to this who, who want to get involved, for sure. Yeah, so, we, you know, the idea was always to try and reach as many kids as we can. And, and, and for me, it's just about the stoke. It's about just getting stoked, mate. And you know as well as I do. I think that's what surfing gives us. 
that's what we love about it is we just, there's that feeling of stoke you get where you challenge yourself and you paddle off terra firma and you do something you haven't done and you push yourself and it's, you're growing and you're alive. It's like, yes. And that's just, that is what stoke is to me is that, that constant journey of your personal development, the joy you get from being engaged in your life completely. And so I feel like that's kind of, we go to the event and it's all about that. And so with the video challenge, We've just taken the concept online. Last year, we got 505 videos from 20 different countries. Young fish, young little girl out of an Indian fishing village sends in her video. I'm the only girl that surfs in my, in my village. You know, connected kids in Thailand, the Philippines, Canada, Canary Islands, all of the, you know, all the main places, and then all of these little outposts. And, um, and all of a sudden, we had this global community of kids and this, this, Every single one of those videos was coached. So every video that gets handed in is, I, I coached every single one, 505 of them, and then other coaches add their, their feedback in it too, in the chat rooms. And then the idea is that this community comes together of, of frothing kids, um, led by this old frothing kid, <laughs> and, and our, focus, our focus for the seven weeks is all on, on improving and being the best we can be and, and we put that feedback into the chat rooms the kids support each other comment on their videos and we created a global community of the of, of you know 14 and under tropic surfers around the world and so we, we're going to revisit that this year give all you know we gave away 88 different prize packs in the you know so every single day of the seven weeks we give stuff away We've got great sponsors so we're sending product all around the world connecting globally and then there's I've got ideas for content off the back of it that has got me super excited because I can see myself rocking up to that little fishing village and them not knowing that you're coming. That's, and you've got, you know, you've that's got, great. You've got a couple of pro, surf, pro surfer with you and one day she comes home from school and you guys are sitting there in the yard. Just you know, and you go, ready to have a wave and froth out. You know, so. so where do people go, mate? Where do people go to get the info and, um, and how can they tap into it? Yeah, we start October 15th. We open October 15th for submissions. You go to bartonlynch.com to, to, to follow the links to our platform, Epicenter, where it all is. And, uh, yeah, it goes to seven, you know, we go through to the 26th. You can submit as many video entries as you like. A video entry is 10 bucks. And, um, and, uh, really it's, again, it's about, we call it blast off because we figured we have a blast, you know, we blast off summer in, in, at that event. We have a blast with family and friends and we blast off the kids surfing. And so it's kind of got the same principles, all the same stuff as the physical events, but in an online form. And, um, and again, the other thing I've been engaged with, and I haven't really told anyone about this and. But in a couple of months' time, we will be releasing a surfing video game. And Sick. we've been working on this video game for a few years now. And, um, and it's, it's looking pretty sick. So all of a sudden, the COVID thing happened. And there I was with the, the Blast Off video challenge and the Pro Surfing 2022 video game. And I was kind of sitting there in a, in a world that would be driven online. Um, Wow, how, how ironic is this? I'm sitting here with two online products. That's kind of time is now. The world's heading that way and, and sort of going your way. And you just found yourself, ironically enough, right. in a pretty solid place like that. And again, that comes back to that concept of, of destiny that Top I have and, and following. You know, I've learned to differentiate, and this is the most important part, is between thinking and feeling. 
And when you can identify your feelings from your thoughts and vice versa, your thoughts from your feelings, you know where the information's coming from. And thoughts normally are in your head. They bounce around. They get put there by all the stimuli of your environment. And the feelings, for me, it come up. I feel them rise to me and I get these feelings of what I should do. And it, it came from surfing, this concept, where I'd be sitting in the water one day at the wedge. I remember sitting there and all of a sudden I was paddling. I was like, well, I didn't do that. I was deep in thought. I didn't do that. Wow. And I looked up from I'm paddling. Well, I didn't do that. That's interesting. I look up and I'm paddling to the set. And I realised that our bodies have this incredible inner intelligence that don't need us. And actually, I get in the way of my own inner intelligence and sabotage myself or have more so much over the years. And now that I can differentiate and I understand those differences between my thinking and my feeling, I spend all day ignoring my thinking and tuning in with my feelings and the things that feel right to me and cast my little pathway through this life that way. And, and, and by doing that, I feel like I've, you put yourself on the path to your destiny because where you put yourself, you belong because you put yourself there. And the lessons you need to learn from that experience, there is no right or wrong when you put yourself there, no good or bad. You're where you are because you put yourself there, you learn the lessons from it, you grow and just keep charging ahead. And, uh, and I feel like that's, you know, that's kind of, I've got so much good in my life. I'm so, Mate, I'm so it's, happy. I'm you, so, so, you know, I look back at that little kid sitting there in class at Mossman High or getting caned by the principal <laughs> for, for wagging because you want to go surf or whatever it was and, and I just go, wow, what a journey it has been. What an incredible life it has been. And then to be at the Olympics and commentate that and be at that moment in time was like, wow, who could have, who would have thought I'd- that? <laughs> mate, it's it's an amazing, inspiring life, be like I've, you've always been uh, one of my all-time favourite characters and surfers. When I was growing up, uh, I think I've told you this before, but out in the water in surf shots, you used to look exactly like my old man. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I remember I remember buying a Waves magazine once, and uh, you were doing a turn on the cover, and I was going, God, that looks like Dad. And uh, that, that's where the, the love affair started. I had photos of you all over my walls and all that sort of stuff. But, but mate, uh, you know, over the years as we've gotten to know each other and, and any, um, you know, any, uh, any chance or opportunity I've had to spend time with you, I've always walked away from it more frothing about surfing than I was beforehand. And uh, I just love it, mate. And I really thank you for your time. And I just can't wait. I, I think the, the one thing the finals day missed for me was uh, just having you in the booth. I, I really reckon that your job through uh, the Aussie League, but then in particular the Olympics, the way that you brought the pure stoke and energy, but then the uh, like, it was entertainment, it was informative, and it, it showcased the very best of what I thought so many people were waiting for the Olympics to fall on its face and I just thought it was a triumph and a big part of that was the way that you were able to uh, translate what was happening in the water to not just the, the non-surfing public but to core surfers as well. I just thought it was amazing, mate, and uh, that's just a credit to everything you were saying, a credit to what you were saying about where you're at and your life journey and being able to translate just how special it is what we all do uh, in, in a way that we can connect with. I got so much good feedback, eh? I had so many people reach out and it actually brought me to tears. It was special, mate. It, it was undeniable. Yeah. I, I, there was one of these breaks where I'd done an eight-hour, six, like eight heats straight and walked out and 
took out some water and stuff, and then I opened my phone, and there was a couple of those, you know, a bunch of these messages from people just going, hey, you just did, you just, I've never seen surfing before, and you just opened my mind, I don't know, and I just got started, it just brought me to tears. I had to walk in the big broadcast centre, I had to find myself in a little dark corner and go and have a little cry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was a big responsibility to me in my mind is, you know, to share our sport, our culture with the world and do it with integrity and in a way that everyone understood and it satisfied all the different sides of the, of the needs was, was a big deal. So I was so, yeah, I felt really happy with how that all went and stoked that the surfers liked it and then we turned so many other people on and I felt like it was a big success too. Yeah, mate. Really a very cool thing. Unreal. Well, look, uh, I'll, I'll let you go. We've been chatting for almost an hour, but um, yeah, mate, look, I love it. Uh, and BL, I really look forward to seeing you on the uh, the Wuzzle broadcast next year if, if that all is still moving ahead. But but more than that, mate, get to everyone out there, just get involved with BL's blast off. Uh, BartonLynch.com, did you say? Yes, mate, BartonLynch.com, and thank you, Blakey. You know, I love you guys. You guys are, you're rich, you're deep and rich in this culture as well, and you share it with people as well, so. Go on, you you See you, brother. Thanks so much for your time. See you, mate. Bye, mate. Thanks, Blakey. Are you kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? 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 Kidding me? Kidding me? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me, right? You gotta be kidding me. What? You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? You kidding me, right? Are you kidding me? You kidding me. You kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you fucking 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 kidding me?